0: color from the NBC News Radio Broadcasting Studios of KCAA, 1050 AM, 102.3 FM, and 106.5 FM, located in beautiful Southern California, and in parallel from the Turfs Up Radio Studio in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Thanks for tuning in to the Water Zone Show this evening. I'm very pleased that John Farner from the Irrigation Association is joining us uh, this evening. John, are you there? I am here. Wonderful. Thank you so much, yeah. John, because I know that you're on the East Coast, so it's you know, like uh, 9.30 at night. The last thing you want to do is join a California radio show, but thanks for think uh, it's and cool.
1: Uh, listening to Chris's overview about what's going on in the Bay Delta gets my juices flowing all over again. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> you're,
0: you're, I can see you're just ready to drive back up to the hill tomorrow and take care of yourself, <laughs> right?
1: Well, I, I'll, I'll say one thing in transition. Uh, I don't pretend to be an expert about, on California water infrastructure, okay? I'm, I'm a guy in Washington, D.C. that lives, eats, and breathes irrigation and water policy, but those in California know California water best, right? You don't need somebody from Washington, D.C. to come tell you what's the best way of doing things. However, I think everyone involved, whether it's the farmers, the irrigation district, the policymakers, everybody that manages water— needs to embrace 21st century technology when it comes to storage, when it comes to conveyance, when it comes to end water use and overall water management. Even if we're talking about the Bay Delta, there are technologies out there that are not being used. And investing in those technologies on overall water management, nuts from the source to the end use, uh, we need to look at those. And uh, there's a lot of opportunity out there for that.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and that's where we do need help from Washington, D.C., and that is a good segue into talking about how you help us. Now, you may not be an expert on uh, California water, but you are an expert on what you just said, <laughs> that we need technology to to help us solve these problems, and uh, right. sometimes we need a little help from the Fed over... Uh, you know, east of the Rockies way, and we, we do totally thank you for your work there. So for our listening audience who may not know you, I've been on the show a number of times, and, yeah. and actually you were, I didn't know this, but you were just on the show a few weeks ago to address the landscape side. Yeah, it's been a while. Side. Yeah, I, did, I didn't know that, but um, so thanks yeah. for coming on to address the, the ag side. But So for our listening audience, John Foreigner is the head of government and public affairs at the Irrigation Association and the National Groundwater Association. He's a senior government affairs and communications professional with congressional, trade association, and presidential administration experience. He's skilled in representing issues relating to large and small businesses, data privacy, emerging technologies, such as unmanned aerial vehicles and artificial intelligence, workforce, public health, environment, and agriculture, which is our favorite topic on the Water Zone Ag podcast (laughs) at the federal (laughs) and the state level. So welcome to the show, John. Um, They, um, you know, as host of the Water Zone Ag podcast, um, Mm -hmm. I would like to welcome you to give us an update from what's going on at at the IA. And actually, before we get started there, maybe you can just tell everybody, how did you get involved in this water space? It's always an interesting question to start with our guests. How did you get into irrigation and get into water?
1: Well, first, thank you. Always a pleasure, and it's always good to hear my good friend Rob Star's voice, too. I never passed up an opportunity to join you all. And I think it's the first time I've joined the ag component of uh, of the Water Zone show. I always really enjoy talking to, to Rob and Chris and others about uh, kind of landscape, uh, irrigation, what's going on, that side of water management. But talking about ag is always a passion of mine, too. So, again, I really appreciate the opportunity. Um, how yeah. I got involved in it, I. Uh, I worked. I've had many. I've borne many hats in Washington in my time, in inside the Beltway, so to speak. And I uh, worked on the Hill for a few years. I also worked for a presidential administration. I then uh, worked for the nursery, the nursery industry, and uh, we had a landscape component to who we worked with as well. So we represented nursery growers, garden centers, um landscapers, landscape design, design build folks in the landscape. And at that point, this was the kind of mid-2000s, and the Irrigation Association uh, went through a management management change. And I got to know the new CEO of the Irrigation Association, and he talked to me, me about a new vision that he had for government affairs, public policy, getting... More of a a national perspective on things and wanted me to come aboard, and I jumped at the opportunity and I've been here ever since. Oh,
0: that's awesome. Well, while you're at it, why don't you tell us just to give us a a small snippet about uh, who and what the Irrigation Association is? Yeah,
1: so our our mission is simple
0: to promote efficient irrigation, and we do that through several ways
1: uh, through advocacy, of course, that I do. Uh, We also have a significant Focus on professional development, so a, a lot of education, which I know some of our education has actually been showcased on the Waterstone show. Uh, we do it through certification. We have various certifications uh, relevant to the agricultural side. Uh, our certified irrigation designer, as well as certified ag irrigation specialist, many of uh, folks walking around California with those certification designations. Uh, we actually work very closely with the Natural Resources Conservation Service at USDA. Uh, to have a partnership with them for their certifications. But we also have a workforce development uh, component to, uh, to that as well, which is identifying and training the next generation of workers. Uh, we're all not getting any younger indeed, Rob. I'm sorry. As much as I would love, the, yeah. the alternate universe that you know, may have just been found where time goes backwards. It's not the case. So we need to, <laughs> to look at the... Uh, who's next? Who's coming down the pike for our industry? There's a lot of good jobs out there, and a lot of jobs remain even through the economic downturn as a result of the pandemic in the irrigation industry across the board. And uh, it's viable, it's exciting, it's innovative, and that's really
0: what we're promoting. Yeah, you know, the workforce development, I think, is so important because of what you said earlier. We need to adopt new technology, you know, at the infrastructure, at storage, all the way through on-farm, uh, especially um, irrigation efficiency. And we need competent people who can technology. It doesn't run itself, you know, at least not I, yet. It, you know, we, you we got need the educated right. people. That is- that, yep. And, and it's, okay. a new, sorry. it's a new kind of education. It doesn't necessarily have a four-year degree. Maybe it's a three-year degree, or maybe it's an IA degree or an IA certification. But it's great. It's a great job. It's a great career. You know, I, I think you know, if we could just attract more people into irrigation, they would really enjoy that as a career.
1: Uh, you get to touch everything. You? you get to touch machines. You get to touch uh, robots. You get to touch uh, technology. Cloud based technology, the Internet of Things, and you're working with uh, our most, one of our most precious, I'll say air is a little bit more precious, but one of our most precious resources, and that's water. And you can to, to manage that, and you combine all those together, and you have this, this output that is food, that is plants, and these things that are living and growing. It's actually not only really relevant to our society, it's, it's a rewarding job as well.
0: I've always, well, yeah, I've yeah. always felt uh, really good about. This industry because we grow food and it's really fun to grow food. It's really fulfilling and filling sometimes too. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, you know, we're we're not only in the water agency uh, world, but irrigation and landscape. We're all going through what's called the gray wave because there's a lot of experts who have been in this industry for years and they're all starting to retire, and we got to create a new way. And one of the things, the great things that the IA does is put on these classes and certification courses so people can come into this industry. And uh, as I said, it's great paying jobs, great everything. Well, thanks to joining us for the second half of our Ag Show tonight. And I want to turn it over to our wonderful Ag host, C.D. Bistoner, and her wonderful guest, John Parker of the Irrigation Association. Thank you, Rob. Uh, Yes, John has uh, thankfully agreed to be with us this evening out of the Washington, D.C. area, uh, three hours ahead of us, so uh, welcome back to the show, John. Thank you. You had your plate full before the pandemic started, and after the pandemic hit us, you became very, very busy with some different activities, and so I'd like to ask you, give us a snapshot of kind of what you were doing before the pandemic and then how the pandemic changed your activities and then we'll kind of dive into what you've been doing since then. I, you know, I think that this, this time that we're all living through
1: is going to be one of those, we're going to experience different things. And as we get older and we look back, we're going to remember where we were or what we're doing when we heard that news or when we experienced something. And yeah. um, we had just, the IA had just finished up our legislative fly We had about 20 folks, 25 folks in town in Washington, D.C., talking about water policy, uh, promoting ag irrigation, um, promoting different aspects of water policy in Washington, D.C. that first week of March. In fact, we were on the Hill when the first coronavirus relief bill wasn't really, a relief bill, it was funding different aspects of coronavirus testing and uh, planning. Uh, but that was passed when we were on Capitol Hill. Uh, so, we were working on following up on those different kinds of policy proposals. When I'll never forget, it was March 12th, it was a Thursday, it was my son's birthday, and we had just found out that his school was closing starting that following Monday. So we had gone, and uh, we had decided to go virtual as an office. We packed everything up, and I started up my home office that following week. And those next two weeks, I have never been as busy as I was those next two weeks. uh, We started seeing various uh, announcements throughout the United States, really starting in California, starting in the Bay Area, California, with business business shutdowns. And we had never heard of the phrases essential services for critical infrastructure or this obscure agency from the Department of Homeland Security called the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Administration, CISA. We, no one has ever heard of these things before. And all of a sudden, we were in, in a scenario where uh, on a landscape side, I'll start there, we were being shut down to the point where in some states our, our members, members of of my of our association, being pulled over for going out and doing work. And they could have been doing work on a backflow prevention device, which is essential that to ensure you have clean water coming into your health. And it was just a yeah. time that no one, no one was really used to. So as we continue to work on those policies, ag, fortunately, ag irrigation has always been under critical infrastructure. Agriculture production, <laughs> all of the businesses that... That support ag production there have been critical infrastructure. There was some confusion up front, but we really put some resources after we got done the the triage with the landscape side. A lot of our resources into the ag side as well, especially when we started seeing what was going on with the disruption of the distribution channels and seeing all the fresh fruits and fresh vegetables that were going to waste, and it and it was it was a problem. So we began working with Congress and talking to them about alternative solutions to do, what to do with this product because we needed our ag distribution channels to stay relevant, to stay, to stay current, to stay viable. And that, that, that effort continues today.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was just, it, it, it still is an unprecedented uh, time where our food uh, distribution system has been disrupted instead of going to, you know, big, you know, from the farm to big mega distributors to other distributors and eventually maybe to larger institutions where people get fed, now everybody's at home. And mm-hmm. it's hard to get all that food to the grocery stores and to the people. So yeah. I, I know that there's a number of programs that you've been working on to help with that, and I'm very thankful that, that you've been successful in doing that. Yeah, and
1: people don't necessarily, and I know we may be, uh, I don't think you'll be talking about this later, but people are realizing more now where their food comes from more than ever, and it's a horrible way of realizing it, and what's going on with um, meat, or realizing that the majority, over half of our fresh fruit and fresh vegetables, don't end up at the grocery store. They end up in schools, they end up at resorts, hotels, restaurants, they end up in those areas. Right. And right. that is the significant disruption to our distribution channels, and it's not—it's just how fragile we are as an economy and as a society, because we just can't flip a switch. Something as simple as we don't have the packaging for those products to go to grocery stores, to go to the, and to the homes. I mean, something as simple as that is tripping up a lot of what we're doing on the distribution side of things.
0: Yeah, the grocery store shelves are empty, and yet the school uh, cafeteria, you know, all the food that would have normally gone to a school cafeteria, which is packaged differently, you know, granted, okay. rotting. So what a conundrum. Yeah. But I, I've, I, from what I understand, there are now, you know, programs in place to take that food and box it or package it differently to make yes. it suitable for the general public. Yes, yes. And the USDA has been,
1: everybody has been put in a, even uh, the Small Business Administration, again, a, a, a program, administration, an agency that not many people think about. You know, the Small Business Administration is a sleepy little agency in Washington, D.C. that is a fifth, sixth, seventh thought when, when people work with Washington. However, they yeah. are in the spotlight now. They even up more loans in the past two months than they have in the history of the agency <laughs> to save small yeah. business, and and a lot of those. Are thankfully now available to agricultural growers to agribusiness, uh, but yeah, even having USDA come in and look at financing the purchase of uh, different products rather than going to waste and looking at ways to box up this, these products and ship them to places where they are needed, whether it's food banks or grocery stores or other venues where they do have a shortage. Uh, those are all programs that took a little time to get up and running, but they're but they're now. You know, they are up and running
0: and they're beginning to work. Well, that's great. And I, you know, I've been following your weekly updates to the industry. And I don't know if you mentioned uh, at the beginning how many companies the irrigation industry or the, I'm sorry, the irrigation association, uh, its members uh, who it represents, but it's, you know, it's a lot. You know, it's like. Mm thousand, yeah, we 1, yeah, we, 1, have,
1: a, yeah, we have about yeah, we have a 1, member companies, and yeah. uh, because we're a trade trade association, the companies are members. So, and we treat—I'd I'd like to think we treat, I hope we treat every employee of those companies as if they were a quote member of our association's family. But yeah, it's a—we're we're not a small association, but we're not we're not huge. We are we are just the right size.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you have been advocating on behalf of these sixteen hundred companies and all their employees and their families to essentially keep them keep them, you know, working and safe yeah. at the same time. Yeah. And that was, that's really tough to do. And I, I recall reading that you said that you have never been more proud to be a member of the irrigation industry as you advocated for these folks. Tell us a little bit more about that. I
1: am, um, yeah, in the early days, Inge, I, I'll again, I'll never forget giving our first, my first update to uh, staff. We have a staff of about 20 people with the Irrigation Association, and I let them know what was going on in the industry. And I got a little choked up because it was not always roses out there, it, it was a lot of heartache. Um, and it's still, the economic effects are still there all over the irrigation industry, and and it can be sad, but I'm also very proud of what we're seeing as well. Folks are going out, and they are putting public health first. They're putting their their families first, and that's what I love to see, but they're going out there, and they're doing the job that needs to be done. Uh, In the agricultural side, we still need a safe and reliable food supply, and they're going out there, and we're seeing it happen. We're seeing all of the aspects of what we're hearing from the CDC and local public health agencies are irrigation professionals, whether it's on the manufacturing side or the dealer side, working with growers to ensure that they have the water available to grow the food that we continue to need. And it's not just the fruits and vegetables. It's, it's the food that livestock eat as well. So, so we have a reliable source of meat that is going through the system, too. Without the feed that's produced through irrigation, the meat products that we have would not exist. So it's all connected in one way or another, our our agricultural supply chain. And uh, from what I see from our industry, whether it's the landscape side or the ag side,
0: it's uh, it's proud of what we're seeing out there. That's cool. Well, can you tell us a, a little bit about what you are actually advocating for? You know, I say on the hill, but you're... Actually, not on the hill anymore. You're you're now um, you're now scheduling like team, a Microsoft Teams or Zoom meetings with people from the Hill so they can keep in touch with our industry,
1: right? Yeah, we are. We are finding a new way of, of doing business uh, when it comes to advocating on behalf of industries. And what what I what I kind of like about this, it's not. And I've always felt this way. It's not just about me or the hired staff of uh, these these associations. It's about engaging the expertise from folks like you, or you Rob or others in the irrigation industry to open that access up for you to engage with decision makers, the folks making the decisions about the Bay Delta or about financing efficient irrigation systems in California, ensuring that that groundwater supplies are stable or that we don't, that we have available water moving through the Bay Delta. That's that's our goal, and we're finding that a way to do that is through technology and scheduling conversations with members of Congress, with the USDA through either video conferencing or teleconferencing. These folks want to hear what's going on on the ground. And so, not surprisingly, it's been relatively easy to set up these meetings because they want to know irrigation is a big, big, big component of what we're doing in ag production, given the amount of water used and the spotlight that's on agriculture right now that they want to hear from from our industry, from irrigation, on what they're seeing to ensure that food continues to be produced. So, yeah, it is a different way of doing things, definitely. Um, I, I, I bet you're getting more... a little... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 go ahead.
0: What? Well, I was just, just going to say, I bet you're getting a little more um, maybe respect or attention from people... Now that, you know, food has uh, been highlighted during the pandemic, because it was hard to get in some cases and still is. And, you know, when, when everything's rosy, people don't pay attention. But when something's wrong, it's like, oh, oh, these are the food production people. Oh, the irrigators. Oh, maybe we should listen to what they say. And maybe we should help them do a better job with our precious resource of water. I, so I'm, I'm hoping that there's some silver line. I'm always looking for a silver lining in anything, right? So that's just kind of my... my um, my motto but um, even yeah, even with the horrible things that are going on the, the economic and um, you know the deaths and the health issues that this pandemic is wreaking on us, um, there are some silver linings, and hopefully washington d c will pay more attention to uh, better water management
1: well I, I you know looking at irrigation and water and, and silver lines and in, in all of this, and i don 't want to take anything lightly. That uh, this pandemic is bringing to our society, but one of the things that we are seeing, and I mentioned this earlier, is that people are paying attention to food and where food comes from, and it's not food. Sure. food availability is not, should not uh, now should not ever be taken for granted. That right. the that our food supply does come from farmers here in the United States. That you do need resources to produce. Food And there are real people that are doing this, that are susceptible to things like the coronavirus that do have families and but they are needed. And to ha- make sure you have a chicken on the shelves at your local grocery store, that means that we need to make sure that some plant somewhere else in the United States is viable, is healthy, is relevant, and make sure they have a stable way of doing business to make sure that that one chicken is on your shelf you know across the united states so it's uh i think people are starting to realize that and and you know rob with the landscape side i'll I'll say this real quick i don't think since world war ii have people put as much money and invested in the landscape that they have today we're seeing victory gardens pop up we're seeing investments occur all over the united states because they're home, investing in their houses, in their landscapes. They're going outside in their own yards, those who do have yards, in their own yards, rather than going to community playgrounds. So I think people are looking at their specific yards specifically and investing money there and appreciating the value that those maintained landscapes bring to their health and well-being more so than in my lifetime, definitely.
0: Well, you know, John, you mentioned earlier about how, you know, the meat industry and all that's and- Involved or, or, or is hurt by some of this thing. But you also have to take a look at other things like the paper industry, trees and things. They need the water because you know you, you saw on television the last couple of weeks or the last couple of months where you can't get toilet paper, you can't get paper towels. So they, those are things that are shortages, and they all take water to grow to get yep. to the product. Right. Yep. Well, you know, you know, I I, I don't know what other webinar I was on or. <laughs> But somebody had a super duper tip on how to beat the coronavirus um, toilet paper um, <laughs> conundrum. <laughs> and yeah. Basically, said there's plenty of toilet at different stores from where you're going to. You need to go to the industrial supply places, and they've got that's tons right. of it. Yeah, and, you know, it's that's not going to the schools and the <laughs> and all, right. all the institutions <laughs> that is, usually yeah. get it. But it's again,
1: Rob is you know, a, you know, a good point. Whether it's um, a shortage of the actual product, or a, again a distribution channel issue with moving it towards the commercial to the presidential side, it's that value of not taking things for granted. That you you're going to go to grocery store and you no know, paper towels. It may not be there. And knowing where those come from, knowing how our nation's supply chain works, and where things come from, that's that's very important.
0: That's very it's very important knowledge. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think I think we should be more appreciative of the frontline workers in ag supplies that, um, you know, there are, are unsung heroes today, and hopefully the silver lining is that we'll take better care of them in the future, too. And, and in particular, uh, the meatpacking situation, you know, I think this is. Uh, shined a light on an industry that was kind of hidden before and now there's more of it in the news because those are the folks that are, are falling to the virus. So I I, I hope that we have some um, better worker protection so that, you know, when we irrigate our crops and to the animals to create meat for our table, that we're not forgetting that the people who are working in these plants um, need to be protected too. So I don't know if you hear of any um, activity on that. It's not you know, directly related to irrigation, but um, uh, I think it's very important.
1: Yeah, and, uh, and that's a, cause the original question was speaking talking about this, is what we're working on now, and it's, it's a good point because what we saw, what we, we see from Congress and even the state beginning in early March through now has really been relief. It's looking at how we address the coronavirus from a public health perspective, and then how we provide relief to the economy and economic relief to individual businesses to not have a sink into a depression, really. So a lot of our public policies have focused on that relief aspect. Now we're starting to transition as we're seeing more of the economies open back up. We're seeing public policy move towards a recovery perspective. Like, okay, mm-hmm. we have we have the base right now. We have where we are. The economy is beginning to open back up. What I'd provide policies and programs to ensure that economy recovers to what it wants. And it's going to take some time, but that's really what we are focusing on right now. And worker protection is definitely a component of that, making sure that workers have the protection to ensure they can get back to work. A good case study is what we're seeing at the amusement park. I know that um, California may not be there yet, but Florida's just announced how their inner, their you know, the amusement park industry is going to open back up. The safety protocols that are in place not only protect the individuals working there, but also the people that are going and what needs to be done. And so we're seeing the same thing as hotels and restaurants open back up. It's the same kind of thing. And that's, it's really what we're looking at now is ensuring that these policies are in place because the last thing we want to happen is an agricultural irrigation dealer who are small businesses, But but they know how to do irrigation. They don't have an MBA. They don't have a business degree. They know how to do irrigation. And they're the ones that are working with the farmers throughout California to make sure they know how to efficiently grow the crop without wasting any water, to ensure we're not overdrafting our groundwater supplies. to ensure that we're only taking the surface water necessary to grow the crop. However, those small businesses are just as susceptible to the economy as everybody else. The last thing we want is for them to go out of business, and all of a sudden farmers don't have that reliable resource they can tap into to, in order to grow their crops efficiently. And so it's, it, that can be a spiral that nobody wants to happen. So we're looking at programs and opportunities to get that ag economy back up and rolling and to ensure that farmers have the money to invest in these technologies. That we have open markets for the ag products, the yield to be uh, exported to our trading partners, to ensure that we have uh, investments in the United States that to, to sell their products, as the hotels, the restaurants, the schools, and
0: back up. That's the kind
1: of stuff we're looking at right now.
0: Yeah, I bet that's a tall order because a lot of the folks on the Hill, I bet, are Easterners and. Last time I looked at one of your PowerPoint slides with, you know, of um, the country is irrigated. You know, a lot much of it is irrigated uh, in the <laughs> east versus the west, and uh, a lot of those representatives are representing states where irrigation just isn't all that important. And here we are coming in and saying it's really important because most of our food comes from irrigated ag. Are they receptive to that, or do you need to educate uh, them right. on that, or is it getting is it getting any better?
1: Uh, I'd like to say it's getting better, but it's always been a okay.
0: challenge
1: <laughs> uh, with the the if, if, you, if you draw that line on the middle of the United States, 100th meridian, where it's the Dakotas down through Texas, it's up to Texas, Nebraska, that that's the line between the 17 western yeah. states, the Bureau of Reclamation, and the eastern states. And you're absolutely right. Uh, a lot of even the people on the Agricultural Committee and the U.S.S. representatives are from east of that 100th, 100th meridian. So there's a lot of education that's involved here to make sure that if you're interested in the food stamp program or you're interested in, um, in, in that those aspects of the Farm Bill, for example, that Western ag is a key component to ensure that fresh fruits and vegetables end up on a student's plate or end up uh, you know, through the school program or, or are available for low-income families to purchase in the inner city, even though you don't represent an agricultural district. So I'm hoping that what comes out of this is that importance of knowledge where you're looking at reliance on where our food is grown and how it's grown and how it can be grown in the future. So that's that's really, I'm hoping that's more of the case now, but you're absolutely right. That's a big challenge, knowing where and how food is grown has always been a big
0: educational hurdle that we've had
1: in talking to policymakers.
0: Well, I, you know, I've got to commend the Irrigation Association because you help do that education. I know that when I've participated in fly-ins, um, that's that's kind of how we start. Agriculture is to generate that food, not only for our country but for many other countries in the world. Especially me, being a California you know, Trump, our
1: uh,
0: horn about um, California's importance in that, and you know, it, it, it's an ongoing process. I'm glad to hear you say that it, that it is getting better, because um, it does need to get done. Now, okay. John, you've been doing a lot of web... Uh, yeah, go ahead, Rob. No, 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 please, go ahead. It uh, me. Of- I think <laughs> you're doing a lot of webinars lately, and uh, with the moment or two we have left, maybe you can tell us um, what's coming up or anything else you'd like to add. Um, feel free. We've got about two minutes left.
1: Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. I think you're going to see more... <laughs>
0: The Irrigation Association
1: is, uh, is, like every other company right now, looking at new and innovative ways to reach our audiences, to ensure that continuity of education still exists and how important education is right now. Uh, as, you, as you said earlier, knowing how to do things right is more important now than, than ever before. So we are looking at different ways to get that message out there and and using different types of technology with Microsoft Teams and Zoom. That's absolutely right. And I think what we're seeing from other companies in the irrigation industry, they're doing the same thing with engaging their customers, uh, you know, different ways where you can't go out and visit an agricultural dealer now. Uh, You can, you know, connect with them via video and have just as much of a success in letting them know what the newest technologies are and things like that. So we're seeing a lot more of that. And we at the IA are looking to do a lot more of that outreach as well, uh, using all of our our digital channels available to us. And I think we're going to begin rolling a lot of those opportunities out next week uh, with some different announcements about some digital opportunities that we're putting together. So it's, it's, it's a pretty exciting time in that aspect. And even if we do go back to some sort of uh, normal normalcy in the next 12, 18 months or so, I think there's going to be a lot of things that are going to be carried over from our experience in, in dealing with this pandemic, with the you know, social side, economic side. And I think that this, this digital learning platform, engaging social webinar, having more you know, conversations via podcast or or least on the conversations right now, it's going to be a great way to get you to help. I think more and more people that rely on it.
0: That. Yeah, that's the Silver lining. we're going to think more efficiently, I think, in the future. Well, John, thank you so much for joining us. And, Thanks, Angie. Thanks, all. Uh, have you back on in a few months again and give us yeah, another yeah. update. And I'd like to also uh, oh, congratulate God. Chris Baby for his 180th show today. So, um, that's it for the Water Zone Ag Podcast. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate, we appreciate that and we'll see you next week. And don't forget the most important thing to do is keep your planet blue. blue.